welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today, I talk with Rolf Nelson, an experiential designer based in Dallas, Texas. We talk about everything from working for fossil watches straight out of college, the struggles of starting your own creative agency, designing for large-scale audiences, and more, all right after this. Are you ready for an adventure? Then get your Creative South Adventure ticket today. This is the ticket for you. It's a full day of adventure that includes catered breakfast of the National Infantry Museum with a tour following, a bike tour down the Riverwalk on the Chattahoochee, catered lunch at the Civil War Naval Museum with a tour after that, finishing your bike ride at the zip line that crosses over the river to the high ropes course, whitewater rafting down the largest urban whitewater course in the world, ending with a wild game dinner at Epic with s'mores by, a fi- by fire on an island. That's all, Tuesday, April 4th. This also includes an invite to the VIP dinner Wednesday night, as well as everything that comes with the regular ticket. A full vacation and an adventure in one day. Are you ready? We've gone through and streamlined the Creative South Podcast Patreon page, cleaning out the excess and making it easier for you to support us. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South Podcast swag. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So please help support the podcast and become a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Thanks for joining me this morning. Or just, let's try that again. <laughs> Ralph, thanks for uh, joining me this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm just going to call out my gaffe right before we started. I said this morning, so, you know, not to make it more awkward. <laughs> That's why I'm giggling when I start off the conversation. So, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? I grew up. Uh, just south of Dallas. I was originally born in San Diego, but um, moved out to Dallas when my dad's work relocated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been in Dallas, went to school in Fort Worth, and uh, worked in Dallas as well. Okay. So when you were growing up, um, were you an arty kid or what type of kid? No, not at all? Not at all. Um, I was math and science all the way. I okay. stopped drawing, stopped doodling and stuff after about kindergarten and uh, sure. actually had decided to go to school for engineering um, by, yeah, by senior year. Um, and then I, I went to school and things changed. <laughs> Obviously. So, wh- so where did you end up going wrong? <laughs> um, well, everywhere. I, I didn't uh, take advantage and realize that my dad had trained me to be creative my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, he is actually a puppet maker. Um, <laughs> so Okay, I need to have an entire conversation <laughs> with your dad now. Well, yeah, if, if you ever had McGruff come to your school, my dad did uh-huh. all of that McGruff stuff. So script writing, songwriting, and all that. Wow. <laughs> I I don't even know. I have so many questions I want to ask. <laughs> he's, he's, like, how, he's like the Jim Henson that nobody knows. Yeah, I was about to say, so how do you go from being the son of a puppet maker to wanting to do engineering? Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, school projects were like my favorite thing ever, but I just took the assignments more seriously. Mm-hmm. understood physics real well and i don't know i was a nerdy kid so <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i feel like as designers most of us were nerdy kids in some form or fashion to begin with True is. we just happen to be artsy nerds too yeah um so you're going through college you start off you know wanting to be an engineer um at what point do you kind of realize that's not really for you um when I started asking, why is this formula? What I mean, what <laughs> I can't do this for the rest of my life, you know. So I, 
I I just started thinking, you know, why am I doing this math? And I took my very first drawing class mm-hmm. at age 18, I guess, almost 19. Oh, wow. So. So when, when you take the drawing class, does the light bulb go off at that point or? Um, no, it was still just an elective. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really enjoyed it, but I actually got involved with a t-shirt company called Threadless. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a little, uh, slogan and submitted it, um, just because I thought it would be, you know, funny to be on a t-shirt. Sure. And, uh, they printed it and it was, a. Uh, it says haikus are easy, but sometimes they don't make sense. Refrigerator. And um <laughs> I'm doing the math. <laughs> yeah, okay. So <laughs> it's been it's been insanely successful over the past ten ten plus years. Um mm-hmm. and that's really where I started to see the value of design and like the power of it and how many people it resonated with and, and how it um, you know, how I could actually communicate in ways that I had never thought before. Um, mm-hmm. so that was a really cool, a really cool first experience with design. Sure. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so you play around with the thing with Threadless. That's kind of what whets your whistle. Um, where do you go from there? Well, I had a, I had a, an ex-girlfriend at the time um, who, well, she was my girlfriend at the time. and um, <laughs> I was about to ask for clarification, so thank you. <laughs> um, she ended up telling me, like, she knew that I was miserable in the classes that I was taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you seem to like drawing. Why don't you do graphic design? And I was like, what is that? I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> and, um, she was like, it's, you, it's a job, you know, I mean, you could get paid for it. It's not like being a starving artist. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what this is all about. And just women blindly, really. Sure. So when you were going to school, you know, and you finally switch over to taking graphic design classes, um, on the advice of your girl, ex, now ex-girlfriend, um excuse me um you know i'm assuming you start off taking the basics kind of like everybody does where it's that what what point do you figure out that you know ui ux stuff is kind of more your foray um i i couldn't tell you exactly when um I mean, it was a struggle for me for a long time. My first color wheel was horrendous. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. There was way too much purple and brown in that thing. And um, so, I'm trying to remember what my first one looked like. I'm sure it was pretty bad. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. I didn't understand really the the color mixture, you know, stuff. I, you know, the, I couldn't, I couldn't quite get a grasp on a lot of it. Um, and I failed some of my first assignments in school. Um, mm-hmm. But it was kind of like the thought processes that, that always excited me with the school projects from sure. elementary and high school. Like I would exploit loopholes. And I guess that's a way of being creative. You know, when something's left off the rules, I would be like, well, it didn't say I couldn't do this, so <laughs> that's one way to look at it. I, I, yeah, and yeah, I think that's what I mean. I think that's part of what design is, though, is it's knowing what the rules are, knowing what it says, and then reading between the lines of what it doesn't say to be able to find new paths. Right. Right. So yeah, I, I can see that. So you're you're making horrible color wheels. You're getting into experience design. What what do you end up doing after college? Um, I actually I went and worked with uh, Fossil for three years. So the watch company. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, and okay. I, I worked for all of their licensed brands, um, which is so many. Uh, Armani, DKNY, Adidas, Michael Kors, mm-hmm. Marc Jacobs, Diesel. Um, you name it, Fossil kind of makes their watches. So, um, And I was doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, like interactive press kits um, and sure. motion pieces for web content. Um, as well as in-house stuff, uh, kind of mm-hmm. corporate communication stuff. Um, but yeah, I did that for three years right out of school, and that was that was eye-opening too. Just working for huge brands right away was um, yeah, I can imagine overwhelming. I guess in a way, because um, I, I well, I think a lot of designers when they get right out of school, you know, that's their end goal is to work for a big brand and not necessarily. I mean, Fossil in itself is a big brand, right? And then to go in working for a big brand who's like you said doing licensed work for other big brands right um some of which are much better known than even fossil um that's got to be that's got to be kind of intimidating too oh it was, it was intimidating to work for the brand but it was also intimidating to work alongside some of the insanely talented people mm-hmm. um fossil's art department is about 100 strong um, oh wow yeah yeah and i i worked alongside um for a little bit brian flynn of super seven mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. aaron island who's out in san francisco as well uh john schubert who's like a dribble superstar um, yeah as well as dustin wallace um and they were all fossil brand illustrators just just phenomenal talent um and that was just super intimidating to see the stuff that they were coming out with on a daily basis. So while you're there at any point, are any of these guys kind of mentoring you? I tried to glean what I could from them. <laughs> uh, I'll take that uh, as a uh, no. <laughs> we were working on such opposite ends. Sure. Um, but, you know, anytime we had a chance to collaborate, I liked to, you know, bring some motion to their work or, or mm-hmm. um, you know, just go over and see what they were doing. You know, so mm-hmm. we did some stop motion animations with some of them, um, just using the talent that we had in house. Um, it kind of all built on itself with a lot of regularity. I mean, we we inspired each other in a team that big. So you you spent three years at Fossil, kind of building on what you learned in school, doing motion work and all. Um, what, what prompted you to leave? Um, or did, or did they tell you <laughs> your time was up? <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was pretty mutual. Um, I, I actually had some other opportunities that I'd love to, that I, that I wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a, had a good period of, a lot of learning um, immediately following uh, my time at Fossil, uh, which means I made so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we we had a chance to start a creative agency, um, and things just fell apart as quick as they started. Um, so what? So what happened? <laughs> Was well, I mean, without like dragging anybody yeah. through the mud or anything like that. Yeah. But we so, um, so how, l- let's back up a little bit. <laughs> how do you go from working at Fossil to starting a creative agency? Because there seems to be a lot of steps in between missing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I don't know. I guess I, I don't follow the natural order um sure. often. I just kind of bounce around and do do what i what i think i know how to do um or just totally make assumptions and fail and learn fast you know uh, yeah. so um yeah it was a good opportunity for me and a couple of friends that i that i have um who are all talented in different areas to try and get new clients and um you know, just build up a name 
in the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of bankrolled by one main client. They kind of, they gave us startup costs, um, machines and uh, tools to do the work and um, helped rent out um, a co-working space um, mm-hmm. that I worked out of with some amazing talent in Dallas. Um, Austin Mann um, is a photographer. He opened a place called Weld. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked out of there for a couple months and uh, yeah, hung out with him and Kyle Steed and you know, just dropping names here. But um, <laughs> there is amazing, amazing talent, you know, working out of that same space. And that was a really cool, uh, really cool opportunity just to see how everyone else worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even if you weren't collaborating with them, just understand that that was my first kind of like understanding of the design community at large. Sure. Because even if we're doing totally different things, we can all, you know, bond together. Yeah. Uh, so what did you have the opportunity to learn from other people while you were there? I, everything I could. Um, <laughs> I... I'm sure I was like the pesky little brother. Um, it's just like, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? Um, always asking people what they were doing or if I could tag along. Um, and it, it was, you know, similar, uh, turnabout because a lot of them didn't do stuff that I, I did as far as a graphic design. Um, mm-hmm. there were a lot of photographers because it's an awesome, it's it's photographer's dream there. Um, sure. But there, um, there were also some front end developers, um, an actual like uh, video or movie editor. Uh huh. He had his full. He had a full like bay rented out. To Avid him. system yeah. set up and yeah, it was awesome. Um, but. Yeah, they so they would ask me from time to time what I was doing if I was just making a mess and then scanning it. You know? <laughs> they were like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Well, I'm, just <laughs> I'm not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> I needed the texture. This might work, I guess." Yeah. So, you know, you said you're bankrolled by one big company, and you guys start up a creative agency. Is this a case of, you know? Pretty much all your eggs were in one basket, and that ended up falling apart. And yeah, they uh, they decided they didn't really care for our principal um, and the way that he went about business. Sure, um, but they loved me and my roommate. Um, we actually ended up rooming together and working at the same place or when we started this agency. Um, and he's a, a video video guru he's brilliant mm-hmm. um, so they loved our work and they decided to hire us on it was a it was a big church up north of dallas okay so so that's an interesting transition to go from you're working at fossil you're starting your own agency because of some internal issues, the agency stops to be, but the client that's kind of bankrolled you decides to take you on. How does, I mean, a, there's so many questions of how that can work and how, how do you do that without, you know, especially when you're living with your roommate, who's also your business partner. And then you're brought, you're both brought in to work for a church, which churches are not generally known for, paying well and funding things. So that's a whole nother question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were, we were lucky. Um, we were very lucky. Uh, this church sees the value in creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot in Dallas do, I mean, they, they understand that creative is, is really how you get a message across, um, to young people and to, just different markets that it wouldn't normally um, infiltrate, I guess. Sure. So, um, yeah, we, we ended up there and 
found out that he and I actually work really well together on video shoots. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a great eye for um, storytelling, and um, you know, on the shoot, I would end up helping with lighting and um, essentially just the art direction on the on the video um, mm-hmm. shoot, styling some stuff in the background and. Um, you know, helping with motion design, and um, we uh, we collaborated nonstop for the year that I was there. Okay. So when you finally move on from the church, what do you end up doing then? He and I both left. Both left. Oh, you both left. And uh, we end up freelancing for a year. Okay, so you go back to almost. Um, doing a mini agency thing with freelance. Right. Um, I'm assuming the two of you work together on a lot of stuff since you said some, the, some, the two of you, you know, both ended up freelancing. Yeah. I ended up taking a contract job about halfway through the year. Um, uh-huh. because you know, when you're freelancing, <laughs> you never know where that next check is coming from. Yeah. So, so it's nice to have money coming. Yeah. <laughs> So I took a contract job with uh, Southwest Airlines um, right before their rebrand. Okay. Um, and essentially, I I scraped their entire old website and updated every instance of their branding and typography, logos, you name it. I just kind of went through and worked with the other agencies. Page by page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds labor intensive. It is a huge website. (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, that that had to be time consuming and a bit mind numbing at times. Yeah. Um, Despite that, there was a lot of considerations that had to be made. Like when you're working with a brand, you know, any brand, but a brand that that big um, and you're on the initial rollout um there are things that the branding guidelines uh, which came from uh, lippincott in new york they've they've done starbucks and walmart you know sure um there are some considerations that they just couldn't have known about or made so we would have to go back with them and say okay in this instance you know what is what is the game plan you know how how does this this work because it's not in any of the uh, branding guidelines um and working with razorfish on the digital end you know understanding in emails and front page design and stuff like that like mm-hmm. where where the branding standards gaps are and mm-hmm. and closing those so that they have an airtight brand guide book huh um yeah, it was, so we used a lot of thought, but, you know, there were some mechanical robotic moments. <laughs> yeah, like the initial run through when you have to, like, find every instance and yeah. mark it down. <laughs> and, and pray you didn't miss any. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, they, they, they ended up offering me a job after a little while. Um, okay. So hopefully that's a sign that I didn't. I didn't mess up too bad, but I... Uh, did you take the job? I did not. I did not. <laughs> Gotta ask. Because <laughs> so, if you're embedded at that point and you know, doing contract work and they're offering you a job, obviously they think you're doing a good job and they see a future going forward in that project um, and other things. So Yeah. So you, you, you wrap up... Uh, Searching for every instance of a logo on this behemoth of a site. What what do you do then? Um, I make concept packaging for Samsung products. How do you get... Because none of these are small companies. It's not like you went to work for SignPro for... These are like all multinational, you know, companies that... I don't There's a know. lot of working pieces. And and to get to that level straight out of school where you start with Fossil and you're working with Fossil on their licensing projects to move to, you know, the the smallest thing it sounds like you did was the, the church. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to to move to, you know, Southwest and then, you know, do stuff for Samsung. Yeah. That's that's imp- that's an impressive uh track record you got going there. It's all right. It's all right. I can't complain. <laughs> I've been very fortunate, extremely fortunate. Um and I I like just to give you a a sense of the way that things fall into place. Um with Threadless, I had designed another um Another design that got printed in about 2009, uh, maybe mm-hmm. 2010, and it was a Tron-based hoodie. Okay. Um, it's this hoodie design. It had prints on the shoulders and on the side of the hood, and it glows in the dark. Nice. And um, that thing was just absolutely flying off the shelves. And um, so Threadless ends up, Coming, going across uh, paths with uh, with Disney. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> <laughs> and Disney, Disney uh, in the meeting, somebody brings it up, says, says, "Hey, um, you know, you may have seen this strong design," and Disney is like, "Yeah, we're aware of it," <laughs> um, but they said it was executed very well, so. We'll just license it if you want to. If you want to pay us the licensing fee, and you can continue to sell it. And then Threadless and Disney have had a partnership for years, licensing all these other products with just phenomenal illustrators. You know, like please tell me they gave you a kickback of that. <laughs> I yeah, I got paid. I got paid a little bit for it. Because <laughs> uh, if you hadn't, you'd just be gone. Damn it! I could have made some I money. <laughs> I didn't have the distribution, but I, you know, um, it would have been interesting if I would have produced it myself. I, I, I never know how that would have gone. But. Well, Disney's an interesting company, and I've talked to a few people who have done work with them and continue to do work with them. And a lot of them got their start with them by just doing projects on their own where they took those licensed properties and created them and were just selling them. And Disney, instead of being litigious and saying, you know, you got to stop this right now. They're like, Hey, you did a really good job on this. You want to come work with us? Right. So that, that that's an interesting, that's almost antithetical to uh, the way business operates in the real world. Most of the time. So, right. Well, cause we're like total fanboys. You know, oh yeah, <laughs> we made it because yeah. we love Disney in the first place, and yeah, uh, no... they're like, "Oh well, we we got them, we got them wrapped around our finger already." Like, <laughs> they'll be happy to do it for us <laughs> exactly. for half the cost that we pay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've I've talked to some people, and Disney apparently. I mean, I don't know how they do on freelance stuff. It sounds like they actually pay pretty decent on freelance stuff, but if you work directly for them, they don't. Hey, great because mm. everybody wants to work directly for disney right so they have that luxury of not having i mean i don't think they pay bad but they're you're not you know you're not in the upper echelon of what designers get paid if you work for them right you're strictly in the middle yeah so so you end up creating a tron you you create this tron thing you're working for what what exactly were you doing at samsung again um, to kind of catch us back up. Yeah, it was it was through an agency, but they had a limited edition and holiday packaging um, thing that they just wanted some wacky concepts for. Um, so I did a I did a, about a month long stint in designing uh, two sets of packaging, one for like a phone tablet combination. Um, mm-hmm. And then one was for like a, an entire family. Um, so I guess it was a Samsung, Samsung Galaxy. Oh wait, no, it was it was a it was a TV, um, and and other other sized like electronics. They wanted like a family packaging sure. for like, um, you know, bigger box stores. Okay. Um, yeah. So I worked with a small team on on that throwing around concepts and stuff okay 
So this entire time, you still haven't gotten into user experience design. I mean, I would say the closest you got was designing stuff at, um, well, I mean, I guess with Southwest, there's a little bit of experience design if you're combing the thing. And then at Fossil, you did a bit. How do you how do you transition into that realm? Well, it was a little bit out of necessity. Um, I interviewed um, for for the position uh, two coming up on two years now um, ago, where um, I wasn't I didn't really I don't know I wasn't really looking for a job. I was still freelancing, but I was just kind of like, you know, what this sounds different. Sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what I what I ended up doing um, there, I, I thought was just going to be more motion and content-based, um, just design for, you know, for the, for these the different clients um, that have screens, you know, in their sure. company. Well, the bigger conversations came about when we were talking about how to innovate and how to um, how to build experiences that weren't just slapping a screen on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the UX stuff that we do for experiential, which which means essentially um, in in space. Yeah, um, immersive. Right. Um, the user experience stuff that we end up doing, we have to, you know, walk around. We have to, we have to go and stand in those spaces and understand mm-hmm. the traffic flow and where people are going and stuff. Because we're building these these huge experiences for um, a many to one versus a one to one. Like a holding a holding a phone or or on a computer, which is sure. a one to one situation. So just kind of out of that necessity, I learned user experience. I work with a another guy who is technically the he's the user experience specialist, right? Um, and he he has a lot of great insight into, um, you know how how a thing will be received. So we go. You know, I, I've learned a lot from him. Um, and we we just kind of split responsibilities because our strengths are slightly different. But um, yeah, it's it's become a very very interesting um, kind of a new media um, as all of these brands are looking to update from just traditional print signage. Sure. Well, I mean, it's it sounds almost like a compliment. And correct me if I'm wrong here. It sounds like a combination of using some principles of your traditional print design, combining that with environmental design, um, and then throwing in, you know, the motion aspect and the the the, the traditional UX of how people are going to interact with things and you know stuff like that. It's it sounds like you're combining about five different styles or forms of design into one thing right. to create that immersive environment. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and we'll, we'll collaborate with engineers um, and store design, interior design companies, um, mm-hmm. as well as um, large uh, print graphics uh, companies um, who help, you know, create build um, experiences. Um, sometimes we work, sometimes we do all, all of the facets from concept to installation. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we're working with pre-existing, uh, screens. So. Gotcha. We, so they have the environment set up and you've got to figure out how to integrate into that environment. Correct. Okay. So what are the challenges that come with that? Especially specifically with the when the environment is built already and you've got to incorporate into it and right you know they're they're only going to change this one factor of it and you've got to somehow fit in with everything else. Well, the important thing to remember is that 
we're doing, we're creating ideas and concepts that aren't just in one location. Often they're not in just one location. Um, We build them to be able to scale infinitely. So if a new shop comes up in Chicago, um, will it, or how, how will that affect the concept of the content, the content, or the concept of the fixturing? Um, mm-hmm. how will that all be affected? As well as what special, unique, um, things can we do? Because our, our platform allows us to push different content to different regions and schedule it for time of day and, um, and all of that. Um, sure. So I guess understanding the scale um, at which your executions can go, because uh, they can be five stores, they could be 5,000 stores. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Of you know, because b- before we hopped on mic, you said one of the you know one of the clients that your company has. Are you allowed to say this? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one one of the co- clients that your company has is GameStop. And, you know, last I looked, there were more GameStops out there than Starbucks. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're like on every corner almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always more popping up. So figuring out that scale of, you know, say you come on, they have a thousand clients and, you know, they don't know how many new stores they're going to, or at least they're probably not making public to you how many new stores that they have popping up. How are you figuring out that scalability? Because there's going to be points where they may be going to the strip mall, but there may be one where they're in a standalone thing. And, you know, so all of those environments are slightly different as much as they try to keep things as uniform as possible. Right. And this is where, uh, this is where my teammate, um, his name is Corey. He does, he does a phenomenal job of understanding, um, what we distinguish between like just a demographic because GameStop does have a pretty distinct demographic, but sure. they really have what, what he, he, or I first heard him say uh, psychographic. Um, so like understanding how, how they work, uh-huh. um, not just, um, not just who they are. Um, sure. so what, what we ended up doing for GameStop is, um, helping them create a network, um, mm-hmm. and we worked with their their in store um, marketing specialist uh, to create a network. So they essentially have a couple of pretty much newscasters on screen, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about new releases and stuff like that. Um, which we continuously are in conversations with them on how to update and what types of new content um, they can keep putting up there to help drive sales or drive awareness or uh, if it's before store hours, train the employees, um, mm. things like that, um, all on an automated system that they can all schedule from headquarters in Irving. So, Gotcha. Yeah. So, so when you're doing that, because I, I didn't realize that you were doing developing content for them as well. Um, or at least content scheduling and mastering, because I'm I'm sure they're a big enough company that they have very strong ideas on what their content needs to be. And right. Like you said, they know the they know the demographic and the psychographic. Which I just talked to somebody else who mentioned psychographics, and it was while I had heard the word before, I hadn't really thought of it. Um. So yeah. So figuring out the mindset of what the shopper is going to be. Um in there and and how to play off that mindset versus the demographic because those two could be those two could be very different things definitely at times so figuring out how to balance that and then if you're doing content scheduling and things like that figuring out what the different times of day when those peaks and valleys are going to hit of how to push stuff that's i can't even wrap my head around that scale yeah. <laughs> like I'm trying to. Yeah, the, like I understand where the concept would be in it, but trying to figure out how to put that many chess pieces on the board at one time and play them 
all. Because that's, I mean, that's like, to me, that sounds like you're playing five chess games at once versus <laughs> playing one chess game and seeing all the pieces on one board. Yeah. It's it's a really, really complex puzzle, um, which makes it super fun. Um, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and that's, it's cool because they, they, I mean, we have content schedulers um, at our agency um, that, that they understand, they, they know, and they communicate, you know, with the brands to, to help make sure everything is going smoothly. Um, but we also, you know, talk about um, how do we, how do we schedule things so that the employees don't go crazy because they have to hear it all day, <laughs> you know? So both my niece and my nephew, um, work there and I never heard them complain about it. So I'm guessing you uh, did a decent job <laughs> on it. Yeah, I, I complained about everything else. I never heard them complain about that. <laughs> I can't. I can't take. The, uh, I can't take any of the credit for that, really. But um, You're that's company. good. Yeah, that's that's a good. You in the imperial sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But yeah, we've been talking about different concepts that we could help throw up on those screens um, that use um, you know time of day information or regional information or uh, the power up rewards information and how we can read mm -hmm. that, you know, when somebody's in the store um, who, who, or, or to show, you know, trade in values and stuff like that, that would be beneficial to um, people so that they don't have to immediately go up and ask an associate, you know, how much is this? How much is this? Or, you know, things, things that assist the shopper, the guest, as well as the associates, sure, um, or the game experts, as they call them there. So. Yeah, big data is an incredible thing of how what you can do with it. Definitely. So I, I heard somebody. I think I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about that just kind of briefly, and they said, you know, they they started talking about you know the George Orwell book, nineteen eighty four, of Big Brother and all that. It's like Big Brother didn't, you know, just somehow appear. It's we've given over, we've already created Big Brother. He's out there, and we're voluntarily giving him all that information with all of this different social media and rewards cards and all of those things. And it's, I mean, in in a way, it's kind of true. I mean, it's not. I don't think it, at least, knock on wood, I don't think it's quite as nefarious as 1984. Um, well, at least not yet. Yeah. <laughs> And that's part of our job, actually, is to make things that aren't creepy. Um, yeah, <laughs> which which it, it's a it's a recurring thought because you know the the brands sometimes are like, oh yeah, and we could get all this data information and stuff, and and we think, okay, well, yes, we could pro procure that stuff, but you know, how do we do it in a way that's voluntary? You know, that's not. Yeah, that's not. Oh, you're in our store. We know your social security number now. Um, yeah. You know, stuff like Hello, that. Hello, John. Exactly. It's good to see you again. Yes. Yeah. My company is not Skynet. So just. Yeah. <laughs> and why is it every like sci-fi movie, the big brother sort of thing? It's always almost an androgynous voice where you can't tell whether it's a man or a woman. And it's always that. Perfect tone that is so just off putting. Yeah, it's just not natural. I just ain't no. right. Yeah. <laughs> I like how that southern accent came out. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it is definitely, as you said, not, not it ain't right. <laughs> Though yours is a Texas twang, whereas mine's a more general um, yeah. forced southern twang, since I don't have much of a southern accent. Yeah, except for what I'm drinking on a few words. Oh, there you go. I don't think yours is that bad. No, mine's mine's not bad. I I just I just do it for the fun of it. Yeah. Also, that's the not, joy. You know, my parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> so, so yeah, I kind of. How do you wrap your mind around building to that scale? Because I'm like I'm still trying to do that math in my head. And I realize it's a learning experience and a learning curve that builds you up to that, but um, that's 
I don't think it's something you get used to. Um, okay. It is something that um, if you continuously remember that you can always think bigger, I think that that's, that's part of what allows you to to have a more open mind. And, sure. Um, I mean, understanding the the strengths of the platform uh, help a lot. It's, it's essentially, it's a CMS, it's a content management system. Sure. Um, but um, just thinking about um, the ramifications of putting something, putting a new experience in the hands of somebody who, who doesn't have it before and how that can positively and or negatively affect the company. Um, you know, sometimes we tell people we don't think digital is actually what you need here. Um, we're not just going to sell them a screen, you know, so. Sure. Um, you know, understanding if, if ROI, uh, return on investment is all that they're looking for, then, um, then sometimes, sometimes it doesn't make sense, um, for them to put that specific screen or that specific experience in. Um, and it's, it's, those are always difficult conversations because they're like, yes, we want digital, but we don't want to spend a lot of money. Um, <laughs> you know, what can you draw on a piece of paper and show us that, yeah. that will approve? Like it's, it's, that's funny. Um, in that, well, that's a funny conversation to have with every client. Um, I can imagine having been on the other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> we want digital. We don't have a lot of money. Right. It's like that uh, Family Guy episode, the $5 million man. It's like, we have the technology, See, but we yeah. don't want to spend a lot of money. And his like, leg is a trash can. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen that episode. <laughs> it's like one leg Sounds is about a trash right. can, the other one's a plunger, I think. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, piecing things together. Yeah. So <laughs> So, you said you've been there for about two years. Yeah. What What do you see in the future for yourself? Um, man, so much growth. Um, I think we just moved into a new office, which is really, really a very nice place. Um, so hopefully our team grows. Um, we're it's literally me and one other guy producing. Uh, creative concepts. Um, mm -hmm. We also have a strategist, which we work closely with. Um, so you're doing stuff on that scale with that small a staff? Yeah. For, for that for that portion of it. I mean, I yeah. don't know how big the company is overall. But. Yeah, a lot of it isn't necessarily content creation as much as concept sure. creation. Um, we created some content for Vikings New Stadium, which was real exciting. I mean, we're working. Ah, with, that's why we're you were up in Minnesota a while. Yeah, ago. yeah, with uh, Polaris. Okay. Um. So doing. I I grew up in Minnesota, so I'm a Vikings fan. Oh, awesome! <laughs> awesome! It's a beautiful stadium. You should definitely, definitely check I, it out. Yeah, I've not seen the new stadium. It's beautiful. It's it's been. Uh, a little over twenty years since I've been back, so I, I I need to make a trip just um in May, not uh, not heading uh, into the COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the winter might be a little bit rough. Yeah, I've I've definitely uh grown accustomed to the uh, southern winters. Yes, it's nice and mild. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you know, so the. The company's doing all of that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off with the Vikings. So. Um, are are you still freelancing as well? Yeah, um, from time to time on the sides. Um, yeah, doing uh, some illustration work, mostly branding stuff. I try to take small jobs because I don't have time for. Uh, I, yeah, I can imagine. And uh, I've been. I have a lot of time occupied in a couple of other ventures outside of work. Um, uh, one of those is getting married. Isn't one it? of those is getting married. Um, <laughs> so that one's it's probably the most important one. Definitely. Definitely. Hands <laughs> down. Um, that's probably actually more important than the work that I'm doing at work. But 
<laughs> yes, but you have to keep doing that work to yes. be able to afford to get married. Exactly. So it's a double-edged sword there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I've been working with her, actually. Um, we built our own, you know, wedding website. And um, she's a UX designer. Okay. Um, so. so what's that like for you? Um, and and, and I, I, I know the answer for me what that's like because my wife is a designer as well. But uh, what, what's that like for y'all of uh, having two designers in the family? Um, awesome and uh, amazingly frustrating at times. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but um, I was also you told... better clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she will be listening to this. Uh, yes. Hi, Sarah. Um, <laughs> it's it's awesome because. Um, you get the perspective of another creative at all mm -hmm. times. Um, and also because she is just kind of natively a UX designer, she's got this amazing empathy and like understanding of, of other positions um, other than mm -hmm. her own. So I come at it from more of a, a visual, you know, an art director, concept director side where, sure. um, where ideas and things that don't exist yet are, you know, formulated, put into sketch form and, and shown. Um, and she, she helps me understand, you know, is this actually useful? Is this, um, yeah. You know, so she, she can help give things that I just have vomiting out of my brain, um, purpose. <laughs> You know, um, so it's it's awesome to work on, on that side. Um, it was it was a, a little bit of a struggle at first to get the communication down. Um, sure. Same vocabulary and make sure we're we're speaking the same language. But once we nailed that, it's been it's been easy. It's awesome. I look forward to future projects with her. That yeah, that's the basically the same way it works for me and my wife. She's not a UX designer. We're, we both have the same background as far as mostly being print and branding based but um we have very very different styles um you know she's not to follow along gender lines but i'm more linear and angular and stuff like that and she's more you know soft feminine hmm. curvy curvy style branding stuff so it um it works well when matching up with different clients and then you know because you know, my day job is for an engineering firm. You know, that's that's a very masculine design style oh, sure. where everything's very heavy, very bold, very muted color palettes, um, and things like that. So it's it's fun to see what she comes up with for her stuff during the day because um, she's a freelancer. She you know runs her own company and all. Um, so she gets to work on a variety of stuff, and they're all. Every one of them is different as I'm constant. So when we get to work together on things, it's it's a lot of fun and frustrating at times as well. <laughs> hey, but so, I was told that, you know, if you, if you learn that you can work together professionally, that you know that you'll work together um, relationally, you know. And I, I, I agree with that. I think it's awesome to be able to. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. My that's my wife and I actually met at work. Um so we didn't start dating until a year after I left okay. the company. Don't okay. worry. Was, <laughs> yeah. Well no dip in the uh company in the company well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I had been gone well long before we started dating. So but um yeah, so we knew that we worked well together. So cool. Well kind of wrapping up here, um where can people find you online? Uh, Google. No. <laughs> um, Aside from Google. Actually, there are other... Which actually, you are not that easy to find on Google. There, there are, are a lot more Ralph Nelsons. There are. Than I thought there would be. There are. Um, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, I'm on every social media. Um, if I'm and not... You're at Design by Proxy, right? Yeah, Design by Proxy. 
designbyproxy.com whatever <laughs> all that fun stuff and we'll link to all that in the show notes so um i got i got two last questions for you real quick um a why design by proxy uh design by proxy i mean it's it's a stupid inside joke i mean <laughs> i thought it was funny in college um it's essentially just designed by someone else yeah <laughs> so i uh, I guess I'm I'm someone else. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just stuck, and I don't know. I know a lot of people who build themselves as designers who design by proxy by outsourcing stuff. So <laughs> there you go. You know, <laughs> they could pay me. I would I would do stuff for them. I think your rate would still be way too high for what they. <laughs> uh, they I think they like to go with the more Fiverr model. Oh. Of, uh, offshore, very cheap. Yeah. And their work shows. Ouch. So, yeah, I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> it's not anybody big enough name where it would matter anyways, but just in case. <laughs> but, um, and then why, why did your parents pick Rolf? Is that a family name or is... No, I was, despite my dad being a puppet maker, I was not named after the Muppet. Uh, you know, the piano playing dog. Uh-huh. No, that was that's. Just I didn't even think that until you. Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. I also get asked if I was named after the Nazi in Sound of Music, which, of course not. It's a that is a bizarre question. But even if you were, you wouldn't admit that. I totally not. No, <laughs> no. Um, although I love the musical, but you know, not Nazis. Exactly. Just not that that really needs um, to be clarified. But just in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> Um, there was a kicker for the San Diego Padres named Rolf Benerska. Uh-huh. Um, but I wasn't named, I really wasn't named after any of them. It was just the initials that I guess my parents were going for. I have the same initials as my grandpa and my dad. Oh, okay. So, I don't huh? know. Huh? They're creative. They're creative people. Obviously, I'm telling you, I got to have your dad on just to have an entire discussion about uh, McGruff the tri- crime. <laughs> when you said that, that was nope, never would have popped into my mind that I, I don't know why I never even considered that someone actually would have to design that. Yeah. And, yeah. He's been doing so. that for 30 plus years. So not just McGruff, but I mean, he's done stuff for Avenue <laughs> Q and uh, I was about to say the. How busy are they with McCruff the crime dog that he's had thirty years of business? Yeah, not, that. not anymore. So well, very cool. Well, thank you so much for um taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, thank uh, you. We end every podcast with saying um hug some necks, which just kind of means go out and make friends and don't be a stranger. So would you mind taking us out and saying go out and hug some necks? Alright, everybody. Go out and hug some necks. Perfect. Thanks again, Rob. You can find out more about Rolf on Twitter at Design by Proxy. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frost Tolman, Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code Creative South. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at patreon.com slash creative south and if you like the creative south podcast head over to itunes stitcher or google play music rate us and leave a review this helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests now go out and hug some necks